What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. My name is Zach. This is episode number 23. And joining me, as always, is Ben Fisher. Ben, how you doing? I'll be honest. I'm cold. <laughs> it's so cold right now. How'd this happen? Yeah, man, we're getting into like actual winter months. It's like the world realized, hey, we should we should probably cool things down a bit. Yeah. Today's actually I mean, on the warmer side, though, as far as the days we've had recently. Like, I think it was almost 60 degrees today. That's well, in, in global- Fahrenheit for all you uh, European folks who are, who are listening. <laughs> global warming has been doing a pretty good job of uh, giving us some some like up in the 70 degree days up pretty much into November. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's true. Thanks, global warming. But I, I think now that it's getting cold, I think what we should do is just let's just double down. Let's just start just chucking all the carbon we can up in the atmosphere. I, I want to have some nice, nice warm December days, too. <laughs> Yeah, okay. All right. I guess it beats those like crappy February slush days where like it snowed a couple weeks ago, but it still is kind of hanging around. Look, if all life on Earth happens to end because of, you know, some sort of global warming uh, runaway chain reaction, at least we'll have some nice sunny days in the meantime. Look, honestly, I mean, the heat death of the universe may have already happened. So let's just do what we can to make things as comfortable as possible for us and the <laughs> right, off chance it catches up to us how dare you bring up astrophysics on a non-science related podcast don't don't get me going hey, on this let's just get to the main everything topic. we talk about here is science okay <laughs> <laughs> that's right we we're, we're a very serious scientific podcast absolutely but before anyway, we get let's in- talk about dragons. <laughs> yeah, but before we get into our main topic, of course, we have to plug our sponsor. MTG Arena Zone is your top destination for all Magic the Gathering Arena articles, community, decks, news, and more. They have plenty of content for both constructed and limited players, uh, for, ranging from top archetype articles to theory articles and much more in between as well. And they've been doing a lot with their limited content recently. They've got de- uh, draft guides for pretty much every format that's been coming out, Kaladesh Remastered, Zenker Rising. They have uh, pick order, like rating articles as well. Um, and of course, you can find our stuff there too. Mm-hmm. You can even see a good amount of stuff for Historic, which has been a rapidly evolving format now that our uh, Kaladesh Remastered stuff is in there. I've been seeing a lot of the Neoform deck going around. I'm, I'm a little concerned, but hopefully it doesn't get too bad. I love it. Of course, the episode and the show as a whole is brought to you by you. Uh, that's right, the listener via Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash DraftChaffPod is the place you can go to give back to the show directly. We have uh, a number of different tiers with all sorts of different uh, bonuses and and, uh, add-ons depending on how much you care to give. And you can give as little as you want. Um, I think our our lowest tier is $2 a month and uh, it goes up from there. So if you're interested in giving back to the show directly, that's the best place to go to do that. Thank you to all the patrons out there who are supporting us. Um, Really can't thank you enough. And of course, we have our Discord. That is completely free to anybody who wants to join in. We've been getting a few new members in the last week or so, and um, it's been growing steadily. We have almost 70 members in there, I believe. And uh, Yeah, I think we're, we might be a past 70 now. We get a, a few people each day, which is honestly awesome. Yeah, super, super cool. And we've been having a lot of fun over there discussing Commander Legends, which we'll be talking about today in more detail as well. Uh, with our sealed league coming up, it's, uh, it's been getting spicy over there, so it's pretty sweet. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm excited. All right, Ben, we have a crack and draft type thing. So why don't you tell us what we're doing with that this week? Well, I thought, you know, it's a special week. Let's take a break from Arena. Let's, you know, unplug from the screens besides the dual monitors that I'm looking at as we record this. Uh, And let's open some paper magic cards, right? Uh, So I've got here a pack of Commander Legends. Oh, yeah. Hear that that ASMR? Are you ready for this? 
There you go. For everyone at home uh, that hasn't heard that sound in a while, I hope uh, I hope that fulfilled your itch. But uh, we're going to open up this pack now. Notably, uh, packs of Commander Legends are a little different as to how they work and how they're drafted. We'll get into all that later. Right now, we're just opening up some cards and, and just cracking this pack to see what we, uh, we're taking. Now, uh, some people may be drafting this pack. Some people may be playing Sealed. In fact, I think Sealed is going to end up being the more popular option for this set, given the, the nature of you know, the plague. Uh, but we would actually first pick two cards from this pack. So that's how we're going to address this. Uh, yeah, exactly. Besides that, we'll also look at it maybe with a sealed eye in mind. First up, we have Dragon Mantle. This is one red for an aura. Enchants a creature, and when it enters the battlefield, you draw a card. Well, that's nice. It already cycles itself. The enchanted creature has pay one red. This creature gets plus one plus O until end of turn. Just fire breathing on a creature. It's an old card. It's a sweet card. Replaces itself. Uh, it can get blown out with aura removal, but you know you already kind of get your card back as long as you remove it, or as long as you uh, land this. So eh, it's a nice little card. Yeah. Next we have Kite Sail Skirmisher. This is three and a blue for a three-one flying human pirate. When it attacks, another target creature attacking the same player or planeswalker gains flying until end of turn. And then it has Encore, uh, four and a blue. This is a fancy mechanic. Essentially, it lets you flash back from the graveyard and make a copy for each other player that it could be attacking so uh yeah nice uh you know three mana four or a four mana three one flyer is a little flimsy but i could see how this could have some applications next we have jalum tome this is a three drop artifact you can pay two tap it to draw a card and then discard a card yeah it's fine well if that's not a, a signifier for the speed of the format i don't know what is <laughs> if you can afford to pay two just to loot oh man we're, we're gonna be grinding Next up, we've got Makeshift Munitions. This is one in a red for an enchantment. You can pay one, sacrifice an artifact or a creature. Makeshift Munitions deals one damage to any target. Meh. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a red-black payoff, but or I don't even know if you'd call it a payoff, but it, it kind of fits into that deck. Yeah, it goes well with control stuff anyways. It lets you steal their creatures or maybe uh, sacrifice, oh, who knows what, little artifact tokens or, or other kinds of tokens for value. Not what we're first picking. Next up, we've got Avon Surveyor. This is three blue-blue for a 2-2 flying bird scout. When it enters the battlefield, choose one. Put a 1-1 counter on it or return target creature to its owner's hand. It's an interesting effect. Yeah, it's, it's a bit versatile. Gets you a little bit bigger creature if you want it or just bounces a thing if you care about your ETB triggers or just want to off-tempo your opponent. Uh, it seems pretty solid. I, I think that's, at least of the cards we've seen, that's in consideration for me for being uh, one of our first picks here. Of course, we're picking two cards, but... Uh, mm -hmm. Of what we've seen, this is this is so far the the number one pick for me. Yeah, definitely the best card out of the pack so far. Uh, that being said, hopefully whatever rares we get to will will trump this. And strangely enough, I'm noticing. Um, I don't know if this is some kind of printing thing, but I've, I opened a few other packs of this this morning. Th these are the exact same commons in the exact same order of another pack I already opened. Yeah, I've opened about half a box so far, and I've noticed the exact same thing. They the print runs seem to be very. I don't I don't know if this is just because it's the first run. But the prints tend to tend to stick together. I've noticed that there are a handful of cards uh, like um, Command Tower and uh, Spectral Searchlight. Almost always, uh, anytime I've seen them, they've been together. Like even in the pack, they've been right next to each other. Uh, wow. So yeah, I don't know if it's a mistake with the printing on these this set. Maybe the initial printing of them. And I also noticed the the foils. Like every pack has a foil in it uh, of this set, and the foils seem to be like washed out to me. I don't know if that's just mm. my box, but yeah. Anyway. Well, we'll get to a foil in a bit, and I'll confirm or deny. Next up, we've got Angelic Gift. This is one of the white for an aura. Enchants a creature. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card, and the enchanted creature has flying. Another I love, nice little replaceable aura. 
Yeah, I mean, these R's that replace themselves really, really get around the whole, like, you're two for wanting yourself if your opponent gets removed because they replace themselves. Um, and some of them, like, fire breathing's probably not the best effect on, on a card like that. And if you can stick it on something with prowess, maybe uh, you get a little extra value there. But uh, flying can, can be pretty beneficial. And if you slap that on a big creature, you might actually just win the game with it. So um, Angelic Gift's a little higher than Dragon Mantle. I'd still be on that uh, that blue creature that we uh, just took. Bear, yeah. That's right, yeah. Well, here's one uh, that you could slap Angelic Gift on to win a game. This is Annoyed Altasaur. Man, this guy is annoyed. Uh, this is five green green for a six five dinosaur. It is reach and trample. It also has cascade. So we'll talk more about this later. But essentially, when you cascade, when you cast this spell, you flip stuff from the top of your library until you hit a non land card that costs less. And you get to pay it for pay play it for free. Uh, so this is a seven mana six five reach trample, which is you know, okay. And then you're gonna get another six drop, five drop, four drop, two drop, two drop, or one drop, whatever happens to be the next in your deck. And that's some pretty good good value. If you get a six drop for this, I mean, that's uh, an awful lot of value for the mana that you paid for it. Yeah, these expensive Cascade cards can be very, very massive. Of course, the floor is still relatively low, given that you could just hit a one drop. Um, so Cascade's kind of a weird effect. It's hard to gauge how good that's going to be. But obviously, you can build your deck to be leaning towards one over the other. Um, I don't know. Six, five for seven with reach and trample is like pretty meh. I mean, I'm not overly thrilled about it, but... Um, it's, it's certainly not a terrible card. Mm -hmm. Next up, we've got Eyeblight Assassin. This is two and a black for a 2-2 two, two Elf Assassin. When it enters the battlefield, target creature and opponent controls gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. Yeah, I mean, it does what it does. Could, you know, snipe down a token. <laughs> it actually looks really good against the Kite Cell Skirmisher, the three one flower we mentioned earlier. Yep. Uh, but yeah, this, you know, you can do some clever combat, maybe attack a 2-2 two, two into a high value 3-3, three, three, and then when they block, uh, you can assassin it down afterwards. Yeah, seems like a good play pattern. Next up, we've got a, a card that's, well, pauper playable for sure. This is Fall from Favor. This is two and a blue for an aura, Enchanted Creature. As it enters the battlefield, you tap Enchanted Creature, and you become the monarch. Enchanted Creature doesn't untap during its controller's untap step unless that player is the monarch. And I love monarch, so essentially this is going to let you draw a lot of cards and also lock down a creature. This card seems nuts. I, I love this. Yeah, it's pretty good. The The, the fact that monarch can swing... It uh, makes me curious as to how playable it will be uh, in, the, in the limited environment as well as, you know, Commander itself. But that's something we'll find out. Mm -hmm. Kinsbale Courier is next. This is two and a white for a 2-1 Kithkin Soldier. When Kinsbale Courier enters the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. So it can put it on itself. So this is always just going to be a, a three mana, three, two. Soldier, I don't know. I don't think there's many soldier payoffs in this. Uh, pretty mediocre, but it also has Encore for two and a white. So you can exile this in the graveyard, and then, uh, again, you kind of get a copy that attacks each opponent. And then, uh, because those ones get sacrificed at the end of the turn, you can put these 1-1 counters on other stuff, maybe, uh, so that the counter gets to stick around. So you get some lasting value from this. Eh, seems like a nice little card to stick in a white deck, but I don't think aggression is where we want to be right now. Yeah, this pack seem, has seemed pretty underwhelming to me so far yeah next up we've got elvish visionary this is one of the green for a one one elf shaman when it enters the battlefield draw a card now here here's I mean, where we're, we're getting pretty exciting right like elvish visionary is yeah. just it's just great uh I, I don't have anything more to say about it it replaces itself immediately it's an elf that gets buffed by other elves and can trigger other elf things and elves work well together so one an elf that draws you into more elves that's what you want to do next up we've got prophetic prism this is a two-drop artifact. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card. It has one mana, tap it, add one mana of any color. 
So this is good fixing. It's good cycling. You can use it for artifact stuff. You can use it to fill out your curve and, and draw a card. Uh, you don't want to put this unless you really need the fixing or unless you really think you need the artifact synergy. Um, otherwise, it's you know just kind of a waste of two mana. Yeah, and it's interesting the way this this format is kind of collated and the way the set was collated. Uh, most of the available partners that you're going to find are uh, monocolored. There are there's one dual colored uncommon per color pair, and then there are of course a few rares that have partner as well. But most of the partners are monocolored, which means you're still more most likely to be playing a, a two color deck. But you could be playing uh, up to a four color deck um, if you happen to find partners that are separate colors and in that case prophetic prism is probably going to be pretty pretty valuable i wouldn't be upset first picking this here uh just because a we don't know what our commander is going to be yet so any of the colored first picks might just not be playable in our deck which is going to be interesting i think the first picks in this format are going to be way more important than in, in previous formats but that, i could be wrong about that um it's just hard to build a deck when you don't know what colors you're allowed to play or uh any of that sort of thing so you might just end up first picking legends and trying to build around those. I, I'm not sure how that's going to work out in a in a draft format, but uh, no. Prophetic Prism is colorless. It helps you fix. I wouldn't be be upset taking this first. Mm -hmm. There are also occasionally three color commanders, and some of them are pretty sweet. Like yep. you don't necessarily have to get on the partner line. Um, that's true. Next up, we've got Staunch Throne Guard. This is a two five artifact creature construct with vigilance. When it enters the battlefield, you become the monarch. Well, 5 mana 2-5, well below the vanilla test. But getting yourself the Monarch, that's uh, pretty good. And then this thing can attack and block pretty well uh, to help you maintain the Monarchy. Doesn't help with flyers or evasive creatures. Those are going to be what really you know uh, keeps the Monarch going around. But yeah, I like this. I put it in a slower deck. Yeah, it's okay. I have to imagine there are better ways to get Monarchy, but... Mm -hmm. Wow, we got to our uncommons here. Now, I, I believe, I, like I said, have seen all those commons before in the same printing. Uh, but this uncommon was not part of the previous packs. So we're in unknown turf for me. Now we've got Return to Dust. This is a, a long-time commander playable. This is two white-white. Exile, target artifact or enchantment. If you cast this during your main phase, you may exile up to one other target artifact or enchantment. Yeah, Return to Dust is solid. Yeah, it, it's great. People have been putting this in commander decks for a long time. It's expensive, but... You know, when they're about to win the game with their, I don't know, Aetherflux Reservoir or their uh, Sanguine Blood combo, having an instant way to blow up two things for good, exile them, it's pretty valuable. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see, again, this is a card that I think in a typical draft format, you would see a card like this and tell, say it's a sideboard card. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see just how many artifacts are floating around. And we know that there is an artifacts, like a, an equipment auras archetype, so... Um, you know, it may be something that we're seeing more of than than the traditional set. Mm -hmm. Next up, we've got Vow of Torment. I actually don't think this was in the previous Commander Precons, but the Vows have been a cycle for a long time. I think this one wasn't in it, though. Uh, this is the Black Vow. It's two and a black for an aura, Enchants a Creature. Enchanted Creature gets plus two, plus two, has Menace, and can't attack you or a Planeswalker you control. This is a little bit of politics here, uh, an important part of any game of Commander. You want to make a friend, stick this on their attacker and uh, tell them to go nuts at your opponents. Yeah, this is actually an interesting card. I, I may end up trying to sneak into my Kenrith deck. But um, yeah, this is an interesting way to allow yourself sort of either if you're trying to build some kind of black based group hugs deck, which is relatively unheard of, um, you could try that. And this also just buys you time, right? If if you're boosting the aggression of somebody else, but preventing them from from attacking you then it's more likely your opponents are dying before you do. So 
uh yeah it's a, it's a fine uncommon next up we've got sandstone oracle this is a commander staple this is a seven mana four four artifact creature sphinx with flying so again that's generic mana uh when it enters the battlefield choose an opponent if that player has more cards in hand than you draw cards equal to the difference so if you're uh i don't know some mono red Felden of the third path player and your control opponent is you know they're drawing a million cards well you can use Felden to, to get this in draw a bunch of cards but then especially in this limited environment uh this is just kind of a value play right if an opponent happens to have a few more cards than you yeah this is a seven mana four four flyer etb draw two draw three maybe draw five sounds yeah sweet. yeah if you dump your hand this virtually acts like a wheel right you can just dump your whole hand play this at last and then draw back up it's it can be pretty solid. I mean, seven mana is not cheap, right? But uh, with any kind of ramp or uh, acceleration, you're going to be be able to hit that. Yep. You also have to make sure your opponents actually have some cards in hand. The worst case scenario for this is when you draw zero off of it. Or you have more than all your other opponents. Yeah. Next up, we've got our rare. Uh, the first of uh, whatever this is going to be. So we know there's going to be a rare and then at least one or two legends, I think. Two, two legends, two, two legends pack. per pack, yep. So we've got Root Weaver Druid. This is two and a green for a 2-1 elf druid. When it enters the battlefield, each opponent may search their library for up to three basic land cards. They each put one of those cards onto the battlefield tapped under your control, and the rest onto the battlefield tapped under their control. Ooh, Back. I need this for Kenrith. This card each sounds player so good for that deck. Shuffling. Oh, wow. Okay, so hold on. Let me, let me think about how this works. So each opponent gets three lands, and then you get one of each of them, and yep. then they get two. So uh, if yep. you have three opponents, you get three lands total off of it. You net up three lands, yep. and then uh, they net up two lands. Yeah. Hmm. So I, that sounds, likes this too. Savala likes it. Kenrith is going to like it. That's a that's an interesting uh, interesting addition to those sorts of decks. Um, Fascinating card design. Yeah, yeah, I like it. It's it's pretty bad if you're playing against a deck that can do things more powerful than you, and your act your goal is to actually win. Because a lot of a lot of actual commander decks, and we'll get into this in a bit don't really care about winning it's just more about like playing the deck that suits your personality or um is something that you find fun to play but like i play group hugs to see other people go off like i, I don't really care about winning per se mm-hmm. however if you're in a draft environment and you're you're trying to trophy or something like that you want to win and this is not a card that helps you do that in most cases true so next up we've got a halana Kessig ranger uh this is three and a green for a three four legendary human archer she has reach Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay two. When you do, that creature deals damage equal to its power to target creature, and she has partner. So uh, this is Halana. Sadly, her, her girlfriend is not uh, with her in this pack, it seems. I mean, I, I don't know if we would have seen her in the rare slot, but uh, I don't know. I, I guess uh, she's fine on her own or in a green creature deck. Like This is a way to, to repeatedly have a bite effect, and that's pretty sweet. Yeah, definitely. Any kind of repeated removal is something I keep my my eye on. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Well, uh, I know at least one of the cards we're taking from this pack. We have a full art Tevish Sat Doom of Fools in the very back. <laughs> Yo, I didn't even know you could open the full arts in the, in uh, non-collector boosters. I didn't either. This is sick. This looks fantastic. So Tevish Sat Doom of Fools is a four and a black for a four loyalty planeswalker, a sat. I assume that's how you pronounce that. Sizat? No idea. <laughs> um, it has plus two, create two, zero, one, black thrall creature tokens. Plus one, 
You may sacrifice another creature or planeswalker. If you do, draw two cards, then draw another card if the sacrifice permanent was a commander. And minus 10, gain control of all commanders. Put all commanders from the command zone onto the battlefield under your control. Tevisat Doom of Fools can be your commander. Yeah, card well, is wild. It's a monocolored card and it doesn't have partner, which means if you're running oh, it, it as your... It does oh, partner. it does have partner. I missed that. It does have partner, yeah. Yeah, so then, then you're not keeping yourself stuck in monocolors if you run it as your commander. Just an awesome card. It steals everybody's commanders. Like, come on. I, I would totally be slamming this. Absolutely one of your first picks here. Yep, totally. Totally agree. I honestly would probably take Holanda, too. Uh, I, I think a repeatable removal effect is pretty cool. And also... Um, well, and it's, when, interesting, the- it's interesting to mention, too, because the, the black-green archetype, which we'll get into towards the end of the episode, is uh, like centered around elves. And you're getting yourself there with Holana and um the planeswalker that i can't pronounce his name but <laughs> tevish that tevish that's right yeah now notably uh we also did get a foil and it's a beautiful one this is a moss diamond uh this is two generic mana for an artifact it enters the battlefield tapped and you can tap it to add green and i will say this is a, a some gorgeous art by Lindsay. look uh i don't know if you yeah a lot of the art this. in this in this set is really good does it look faded to you because like all of my foils have looked slightly faded to be honest, no. There, there's some uh, some beautiful foil metalworking and and the ring and the uh, the artifact itself. Mm. Yeah, no, this, this looks good to me. Maybe it's just got a bad box. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna sleeve up Tevisat real quick. That's sick. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, with that, we will move into our Fairy Tibalt section of the episode. So I guess I'll, I'll kick us off while Ben's getting the sleeves out. Um, my Teferi this week is that I, I saw a chiropractor for the first time in like. Dude, I don't even know, maybe six, seven years. Uh, and hopefully that's going to get some of my back pain under control. I think I've mentioned a few times, I basically sit in a chair for 12 plus hours a day and uh, yeah. it's really been causing some serious back pain. So hopefully I got, I got an adjustment. They did some chiropractor shenanigans, um, got an x-ray and stuff. And actually they told me basically, uh, apparently, I didn't know this, but apparently your neck and back are supposed to be slightly C-shaped, like like they're supposed to be curved. So that you're, when your head is sitting, especially for your neck, when your head is sitting on the vertebra, then they they distribute like shock and support like throughout all of them. But mine is perfectly mm-hmm. straight, my neck. So my head is just weighing down on all the vertebra. And uh, nice. No, apparently not nice. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it apparently is not the ideal situation to have that. And my back is the same. So he gave me a bunch of stuff. I have like a little like lower back pillow on my chair now, which is taking some time to get used to. And uh some some of the, those sorts of treatments, some ice and stuff as well uh, to try to ease some some pain. And he, he adjusted me as well. So uh, I feel like I just went to the gym, like all my back muscles are, are pretty sore. But hopefully uh, this is the start of uh, no back pain, which would be great. Um, my Tybalt is, of course, that I have back pain. So, <laughs> uh, you know, that that's they go kind of hand in hand this week. How about you? Uh, well, 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 first of all, did you ever happen to get that chair? I know. Uh, I, I did. I ever send you the the chair model? I think you I did. did right? You did. Uh, I have not gotten it yet. It's on my my like wish list. My wife and I have uh, this sort of thing going on where um, rather than like constantly asking each other for things we can get for each other, we just have these open wish lists, and that way we both know. Like, I know she wants this thing, and I can get it for her without saying anything, so it's a surprise and all that kind of thing. So I have it on my wish list. We'll see. Good call. I, I'm gonna assume your list, your uh, your list is entirely just like magic staples for for Kenrith, like foil foil Kenrith deck. Oh uh, no, I I couldn't I couldn't uh, wait long enough to have her buy those, so I just bought them <laughs> on myself. 
Uh, yeah, good call. So uh, my Tybalt this week, uh, so much grading, like, uh, and, and a lot of lesson planning too. Uh, despite the fact that we in the United States have a uh, four-day weekend coming up with Thanksgiving, um, still somehow I, I, I can't catch a break. Uh, the way that the days kind of worked out because of how our schedule works, I had to do approximately as much work next week as I do every other week uh, to, to to stay up to date on on planning lessons. And I'm starting to get into more of the swing of things past the intro units, uh, getting into real physics uh, with my physical science classes. And as I mentioned before, it's not easy to teach physics online. Uh, we're getting into motion and motion diagrams, things like that. Some of you out there that care about physics might know what I'm talking about. But uh, it's it's a lot of fun for me, but it's also a lot of work. So. Uh, I've had to kind of sacrifice free time here and there. Been playing less magic this week, so uh, I'm excited to get into this Commander Sealed League, uh, which is my Teferi for the week. This is something that I've been looking forward to for a long time, and something that I am going to be setting some time aside for uh, because this is this is going to be sweet. I mean, I'm I'm kind of bummed that I opened a, a Chase Mythic, uh, and yeah. not a Chase. It's the, even the the fuller, I don't think is worth that much. Maybe like 15, but. Uh, kind of bummed i opened a sweet mythic in, in a cracker pack instead of in my six packs that i'm going to record a video for later but there's probably another mythic in, in this box somewhere yeah i mean the jeweled lotus is waiting in in your pool packs so. yeah 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 the, the foil one right <laughs> yeah of course extended art even though you can't get those in in regular draft boosters that'll be in there too yes see we're content creators now so wizards has been as soon as wizards heard that we've been making content they uh they sent us seeded packs to, to Dude, make them look good <laughs> don't say that people are going to believe that actually like actually believe that's true wizards doesn't know we exist so. oh no no it is it is i was talking to um um uh you know mr wizards the other oh my day. Gosh. <laughs> couldn't even come up with an actual name like you couldn't even I, just say mark rosewater i could have said mark no i was talking to uh, john john t wizards oh my of gosh the coast. At least you didn't anyway. say Richard Garfield, but yeah, let's <laughs> let's get on to our main topic. So this week we're talking entirely about Commander Legends, as you may have picked up on already. Um, we're going to go through a quick overview of what Commander even is as a format, how it kind of interacts now with um, as a limited format as well, how you can make your decks, what the draft process looks like. And then we're going to go in briefly about all the archetypes. The set is massive, so we're not going to do our typical format breakdown style of episode here. Uh, we're just going to talk about the the uh, single multicolored uncommon commanders that you can find and go from there. And that'll kind of tell you what those archetypes are looking to do. So um, I suppose we'll get right into it. So uh, what is commander? Um, what is our experience with it? And um, what do we like so much about it? So that's that's kind of where we're going to start here. Um, ben, why don't you why don't you kick us off? Sure. So for those that don't know. Uh, this is an old format, and this is an entirely player-created format, the idea of Commander. And it actually started out called EDH, or Elder Dragon Highlander. So it started off as 100-card singleton decks. Now, this was ages ago. For, well, maybe not ages ago. This was early in the game's history, uh, over 20 years. Now, uh, once the original Elder Dragons got released, uh, that would be Bolas, Chromium, Palladium Wars, Arcadia Sabbath, uh, and Bevictus Asmati, uh, people started making these Highlander decks around them and like making ones that match their colors. It was flavorful. And historically, Commander has always been a way to escape the, I don't want to say monotony of constructed formats, but anyone that plays enough standard knows what the top decks are. And there are solved decks. There are solved formats. If you're playing uh, a certain, like if you're playing red, black and standard, you know that you're going to need 4X of this and 4X of that. Well, that doesn't fly with everyone. Some people want to have a little bit more you know, individuality, creativity in their deck building. And that's fine. Commander is the place for it. So uh, 
this format was born from players wanting to express themselves through decks. And as I mentioned before in the show, I'm always a huge fan of player choice in, in game design. Allowing people to make decisions that make them happy is what people like to do. So when we have an entire format centered around making decks that represent who you are as a person, I mean, that's obviously just going to be a slam dunk with players everywhere. Yeah, for sure. And we've seen that it has been it for a while was just picking up steam as people were playing it more and more. And then eventually Wizards caught on and realized, hey, there are a lot of people who like this format. We're going to support it. And they started building and producing uh, commander specific content and commander specific products. You saw the commander decks for a while that they would every year they'd be releasing uh, a set of, of commander decks. And each year they had different uh, sort of theme to them. There was a year they did four color commanders. They've done uh, a whole handful of things. And then this year is they've been calling the year of commander um, and mm-hmm. they commander legends is one of the big products they've put out. So we see and it's, it's interesting, too, because um, I like to see that they mashed this. Uh, constructed format with a with a limited environment because kind of it, it's not quite the same as saying that that commander is close to limited i don't think they're they're li- they're close in that you don't actually have a draft but the deck building process is kind of close because you really have to make make things work and yeah the individuality part that you mentioned is huge it you can really build decks that that mean something to you as a as a person so um and mm-hmm. we're gonna kind of kind of go over some of those so ben talk me through and talk the listener through your uh, history with with commander right so I, I would overall say it's probably my second favorite format after limited um probably after draft i think I re- i'd rank it above sealed uh now i think something especially cool about commander is the ability to make a deck that fits who you are um and not just plays to win necessarily there are commander decks that function more like graphing calculators than than uh, a, a playable standard uh magic the gathering deck some are, are unrecognizable. Some are infinite combo decks. Some are little white weenie decks. Some are little dorky creatures. And others are trying to assemble ridiculous combination of cards. Uh, still, some have no game plan whatsoever, and that is their game plan. Maybe their game plan is to just uh, not win the game. And that's, you know, the, whatever you want to do. Uh, this is fun, and it, it's kind of refreshing to take a break from uh, a lot of the more competitive aspects of Magic. There is competitive Commander, but um, we don't talk about that here. <laughs> so uh, anyone that drafts as much as I do winds up with a lot of cards that have no home. Right? They have uh, nowhere to go because they're not quite good enough for Constructed, but you still love playing them in draft, and you still love playing them in Sealed, and, and you open up a sweet pre-release pack and uh, you get your cool foil, and then it never sees standard play. And you're like, what do I do with this cool legend? Well, wait a minute. I love playing it. Why don't I just make a commander deck with it, right? So uh, you can fill your commander decks with the kinds of cards that you like to play with because that's just what the format's about. So personally, I my first uh, commander deck that I built, uh, I built it after some experience making some casual decks. Uh, my first casual deck I ever made for myself, 60 cards, just to play with friends, including Zach, uh, was blue white heroic from the original Theros set. Uh, it, it involved a lot of auras and evasion, very different than my modern play style, admittedly. But uh, Bruna does the same thing. Bruna Light of Alabaster. She's an auras themed Voltron commander. I after that I made a uh, Selvala uh, Explorer Returned, who's uh. St- it started off as a group hug. Don't say deck. it. Don't say it. That is not a group hugs deck. It's um because technically everyone does benefit from it. 
I just benefit immensely more and then use those benefits to kill everyone. So I, I've started calling it a bear hugs deck. Yeah, that's that's far more accurate. Uh, I have a few tribal decks. I have Gishath, uh, Dinosaur Tribal. I have Edgar Markov, Vampire Tribal. Um, I have a Kestia Enchantress deck. I have Marin of Clan Neltoth, which is my by far my best deck. Um, probably could make some waves in, in competitive if I ever really wanted to, but... Uh, that's it, it, that one is really my personality deck. And then most recently, I made a Gigantha, Elk Tribal, which is far, far better than I ever imagined it could be. Yeah, dude, that deck is not really messing around. Like, it, it gets there. It, it does the job, and it can kill people. And I thought I thought it was a joke. I'm going to be honest with you. I thought it was one of the, <laughs> the traditional trademarked beneficiary, this is a meme deck, and it's not. It, I mean, it is, but it's more than that. It's it's so much more than that. I mean, when you're bouncing everyone's stuff with Cyclonic Rifts and then following it up with like a six mana, six, seven elk with no text on it except flavor text, that is exactly what I love to do. And I'm smiling just thinking about how much fun it is to play that deck. That's what Commander's all about. But how about you? Yeah, so I have to second everything Ben said about the format. Uh, it sits right there with me as well. I think I actually have it tied with Limited. Um, of course, depending on the specific Limited format, sometimes Commander's just more fun. Um, one thing to note that we haven't really talked about is that commander, just about every card ever printed in magic, you can play in a commander deck. There are very few restrictions on which cards can make it into a deck. Mm -hmm. There is an official band list. So that is kind of where that rides the line. Um, and I'm sorry, uh, sorry, prophet of crew fix. (laughs) I miss you. (laughs) Me too. Um, I, I remind me if I'm wrong, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, rather, I can't quite remember. Are the silver boarded cards legal in commander? Uh, not technically, but it depends on the play group. That's sure, the you can house rule Commander. anything you want, yeah. Oh, yeah, like, you can house rule that you can play the, I don't know, the, the crossover, uh, like, My Little Pony or uh, Transformers or any of those other cards that they, they made once in a while. I guess you can play Walking Dead cards because those are actually legal, but mm, <laughs> we won't right, get yeah, into that cringe. one. <laughs> um, yeah, but but you can play just about anything. One of the things that I'm typically pretty bad at with EDH is the the politics, quote unquote, of the game, which is a huge aspect of the game because uh, I don't think we've mentioned yet, but commanders generally played in four person pods. You sit down and you play one V one V one V one. And there are four people all playing against each other at the same time. And so there can be a lot of politics. Hey, I won't attack you if you do this for me, or I, I will make sure to protect you if you don't attack me or, you know, those kinds of things. Um, and one of my play groups that I had in college, uh, one of the one of the guys in that group uh, shout out to Jack. I think I think he listens to the show. Um, but basically, uh, I got him in to Magic or reintroduced him to the game. And uh, he's very similar to me in his play styles. We both are dumb control mages that love playing blue-based. Uh, you're not allowed to play the game decks. Um, and uh, it's he's taken that a step further in EDH, where no matter who we're playing with, his first goal is to get everybody against me. And I'm terrible at, at arguing against him or fighting it with the politics and such, so... I started actually shifting my my EDH uh, play style to I don't really care about winning or like actually being competitive in any way. I just want to screw around with the game as much as I can. So group hugs is an archetype that I really prefer to play. Uh, essentially, that's just where you play cards that benefit everybody at the table. Sometimes and actually quite frequently, it benefits your, your opponents more than you. Similar to what we were talking about with uh, that green rare Ben opened in the Cracker Draft type thing. Um, and I, I built a Zedru deck for a while. Zedru was my main uh, group hug commander uh, and I actually built it in such a way that um, at any given moment I could just flip the switch and give cards to my opponents that would make things really awful for them so it was kind of like a a group hugs mis- mixed with like a death and taxes type style 
Uh, so that was a lot of fun. But most recently, I built a Kenrith uh, group hug deck, which I think is going to be way more fun for me and also the people I'm playing with because it has basically no win cons. Um, I mean, we're trying it out after this recording session. <laughs> so yeah, that's the I'm goal. excited. Um, and of course, my, my second, or I guess my favorite currently, we'll see how the Kenrith deck does. But my favorite deck so far is Okaun and Zinder Split. Uh, it, they're both partners and they both care about flipping flipping coins. And so the whole deck, it's just a chaos deck. Every single card in the deck messes with the board, messes with people's hands, messes with life totals, messes with targets for spells, uh, flips a lot of coins. It's so much fun. And every single time I play the deck, everybody has to read every card I play because it's like wall of text tribal. And that's another thing I wanted to mention about EDH. There are tribal decks that don't actually count from like a, a subtype perspective. Like one of my favorite tribal decks for EDH is Ladies Looking Left. And every card... <laughs> Every card in the deck has a female looking left in the art. <laughs> like that's so awesome. It's so hey, creative. Don't forget, uh, don't forget chair tribal. Chair tribal is also one of my favorites. I'm a big fan of Aloro. Uh, and there are things like this in in uh, all sorts of different people's uh, deck lists. Like these weird tribal synergies that are like the deck doesn't actually come together from like a play perspective. Maybe it doesn't get there and like, it's not super competitive and it has, has a hard time winning, but like you're doing the thing you want to do. And that's just awesome. Yeah. Actually, Zach and I were just talking about after our last episode, the random ways that you can incorporate companions into commander. So I was trying to think of how I could have essentially three commanders by having two partners and then a companion that matched. Uh, and then we were also running through the hypothetical of, is it, physically possible to build a deck where your commander is a companion creature card and then it also has a companion to that and you build a deck in such a way that the two are interchangeable I i'm pretty sure that violates the color pie restrictions of commander somehow but i don't think it I'm does. Not in, i don't even i don't even know <laughs> yeah i mean according to the, the rules on gatherer it, the, if you have a companion it doesn't actually count towards your 99 cards for the deck so I don't think I don't think it it violates that, but that's neither here nor there. Let's get into our gameplay sort of uh, limited aspect of Commander Legends here. So um, basically, we have to ask a question: How does Commander Legends translate from Commander or take the format of Commander into a limited environment? And apparently, it does a pretty good job of it. I haven't drafted it myself, but um, looking at the set and uh, what other folks have been saying about it, it sounds like it's doing a good job. So of course, regular Commander. You have a 100-card deck. One of those cards is your commander, so you have a 99-card deck, essentially, because your commander sits in what's called the command zone, which is outside of your deck, um, and it's singleton. So you have 99 individual cards, except basic lands, of course, um, and that's that's how your deck is built, and you have to have every card in the deck has to fit your commander's color identity, and the color identity is essentially the uh, colors that are the card or that are mentioned in the card's text. So a, a white card, for instance, might have... Uh, like Kenrith, for example, is a white card, but he also has abilities that use other types of mana, and so that makes him a five-color card as, as far as the commander color identity rules are considered. So for limited, however, the deck construction uh, is a little bit different. For every pack, there are 20 cards, and you take two cards per pick. Uh, not just your first pick, but every pick, you take two cards instead of one, so you can move in on all the powerful cards that you want right away, and it gives you the freedom to kind of take take the partners you see uh, when you see them together, uh, which is one of the mechanics of the set, and we'll get into that in a little bit. And in Sealed, you open six packs, and you just build the deck like you you normally would. However, you have to pick a commander, so that's, that's one thing that's different and unique. Uh, a commander can be a legendary creature or two partners, if, if the cards have partner on them, and it's kind of the headliner of your deck. 
So your deck can only include cards, like I said, uh, who match your, your commander's color identity. And also, uh, this is a good time to mention the Prismatic Piper. This is a common that's found... Uh, I can't remember the, the distribution. It's like one in eight packs or something. You, you'll find a Prismatic Piper. But it is a common, and there's sort of a dedicated slot to it. Um, and it's basically... Ben, ben wrote in the notes, it's basically the basic land of commanders. And essentially, it's a colorless card, but it can be any color as far as uh, the commander rule is concerned. You have to pick one, and it only counts as one. You can't use multiple Prismatic Pipers to get... a like infinite colors or whatever you know but i learned recently that you can use up to two so for yeah. example if you just take a bunch of black green cards in the draft and then you're like oh wait i forgot to draft a legend i forgot to draft any legends at all well don't worry wizards included the way a fail safe uh where you can then just you know grab two prismatic pipers from the pile and be like hey this, this one's black this one's green they're my partners now ideally you're not going to be using a prismatic piper at all yeah i mean this is a great fail safe that they built into the set to because that was one of the biggest worries people had when we were hearing that a, a draftable commander set was coming out. It's like, well, the average set doesn't have that many legends in it. How are they going to do that? A, they have to print a million legends. But then B, when you're drafting a deck, you may not see the legends that you want uh, for your colors because you might just be in a lane that is open and not find the legend in that lane. Uh, so Prismatic Piper is a good way around that and will guarantee that you're able to play certain colors. Uh, it, should you be able to pick them up? It sh you basically should see them every draft, it sounds like, uh, based on the distribution of when they show up. But after you have all your cards, you've you've drafted through your three packs, you then build a 60-card deck, not a 40-card deck like we're used to. You ignore the singleton rule that usually applies in EDH, and you start at 40 life, and then you play a forty a four-player game. Um, so th those are kind of the differences between Commander Legends Limited and most other limited environments. And uh, why don't you walk us through the, the gameplay aspects of of uh commander legends sure so anyone out there that plays commander already knows this but commander games are not like normal games of magic the value of certain cards goes way up the value of other cards goes way down so for example cards that are good at answering threats put out by one player uh, like counter spells or targeted removal like doom blade for example uh they kind of look like a joke when you now have three opponents instead of one uh along the same lines uh, hyper-aggressive strategies, like a, I don't know, a one-mana two-one, for example. Those can be strong in the right kind of limited or constructed deck, but against three different opponents that start at 40 life each that are all playing creatures and all affecting the board, uh, a, a one-mana two-one is essentially useless. I'm trying to think of what a good rate would have to be. Probably like a three-one or, or a four-one for one-mana before it starts to make an actual splash in Commander. Now, instead, you want to focus on fixing and ramping through artifacts or getting lands if you're green or uh, creatures that tap for mana, uh, you want to start building out your resources instead. Uh, Hyper-aggressive strategies do exist, but you know they have other downsides as well. Uh, now, just like in Limited, Commander decks, uh, they want to have a plan, right? Commander rewards strategies that uh, you know have a specific way to win in mind. But I kind of imagine that all the plans are shifted back by one speed measure, one, one unit of speed. Yeah, I teach physics. Um, so, uh, mid-rangey decks are often as about as aggressive as it gets. Um, even some of the, the best aggressive decks, uh, like Voltron type ones where you want to suit up your three drop commander or, uh, ones where you have a, kind of a go wide strategy, even they don't really start affecting the board until turn three, four or five. Um, and they wind up playing out more like mid-range decks. So mid-range is kind of the fastest it gets. And then you get the more controlling, the, the spells decks, the, the blue-white or the esper decks that are trying to do uh, 
a, a more reactive game plan. And then uh, those kind of take the place in the mid-range decks. And then in place of the control decks, you have, I call them the big boys. You've got the ones that are going so far over the top, doing such incredibly busted big mana stuff. We're talking like upheaval and uh, overloading cyclonic rifts and, and that kind of thing. Those decks take the place of control. Uh, I, I actually put Elk EDH in this camp, <laughs> if, you're, if you're wondering. Um, now, something else we have to consider in Commander is the political aspect of it, which is one of my favorite aspects of it. Because unlike Zach, I am a master manipulator. Now, uh, Commander introduces the the multiplayer aspect uh, that we usually only get to see in Two-Headed Giant. And even in Two-Headed Giant, it's still two teams. Uh, there's only one life total that you have to reduce to zero to win the game. Now, in this case, we now have three other life totals that you have to reduce to zero or in some way win the game. So there's going to be some drama, right? Um, if I ramp and slam my Mythic Commander on turn three and then I start swinging at one person, everyone else is going to look at me and go, what the heck, dude? It's kind of rude. Let's, let's kick this guy out of the game. And then they're all going to kill all my stuff and they're going to blow up all my lands and make me discard my hand. And then I will absolutely not have fun and I will absolutely lose the game. So... A better strategy in Commander is biding your time, gaining incremental value, and developing some allegiances along the way, right? Uh, saying, hey, I, I need to peck in for a damage this turn, but I'll also make sure I can ramp you next turn, you know? Like, or uh, I have this thing that lets a player draw a card. I'll target you with that if you don't attack me this turn. So this is a better way to stay alive long enough to uh, enact your game plan. There is another strategy in Commander that I don't think exists in uh in this limited format and that's to have such a good plan that your opponent simply can't interact with it uh Marin of clan neltoth is one that's pretty resistant to interaction i don't think there's many like that in this set no and one thing uh that we didn't put in the show notes but actually is worth mentioning here is that um commander as a format the constructed format of commander has uh something that I think a lot of people tend to house rule out of the, the, the rules of the game, but there is a notion of commander damage and commander damage is essentially saying uh, if your commander itself deals so much damage to a player, that player just loses. And that amount is 21. So if your commander deals 21 points of damage to an opponent that, a, that a player loses regardless of their life total, uh, which is kind of weird. And a lot of people tend to house rule it out because some, some decks can abuse that pretty, pretty, pretty heavily. Uh, I don't know if that applies here in this limited format. It does, actually. So, yeah, this is a, a rule that I, I don't know if this existed, to be honest, before Wizards started influencing the game. Uh, I, I honestly don't know if any of our listeners happen to know. Hop in our Discord and tell us. But uh, I personally am not a huge fan of playing with commander damage. I, I would rather just win the game like the traditional way of making it. I, I don't know. It's not that it feels cheap because th this does enable some strategies that otherwise wouldn't be very viable. Some commanders that only really can win by getting some hits in, uh, where the 40 life ends up being a, a pretty huge roadblock to how they would usually play and exist. Uh, that being said, I play Bruna, so when I hit, I hit for 300. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's something to be said that it, it does enable certain aggressive decks, but it only enables certain aggressive Voltron decks. So it's not like it turns on all aggressive strategies. But uh, I, I, mean, I tend to be in your camp as well. I think it's kind of annoying. You also have to keep track then of all the damage that separate commanders have dealt to you, uh, mm. which is just an extra like, you know, note taking thing that you have to do while you're playing the game, which is annoying and, and gets yeah. in the way. But keep that I've in mind. I've actually, uh, I've come across environments in limited, or not in limited, in, uh, in commander, where 
I haven't wanted to attack someone because for what would usually be a pretty profitable attack and not really matter that much um, because it would kill them with commander damage. Uh, it also is weird with life gain, right? So if, if uh, for example, someone has just randomly gained infinite life, which is a pretty... Uh, it happens. Not a, it, that, that happens. It's commander, right? People go infinite all the time. Uh, it's not hard to gain like 50 life in a turn. Now, that also makes sure that they can still die in other ways. Um, that's true but it does kind of shut those decks off like almost entirely like if you're playing against like a a very dedicated Voltron deck and you're sitting across the table with like life gain matters you're just like wait a mm -hmm. second I I'm just gonna like I'm just gonna lose like my my whole plan is dead I just don't like that sometimes people incidentally die of commander damage like I've been playing games before too and where people be like oh wait a minute if I hit you with this you're dead that means you have to block and that changes how the game would have played out naturally uh and I'm not such a big fan of that. But again, uh, it's a rule. I, I know why it exists. Uh, I just prefer not to use it myself. I, I will never make someone concede from me from commander damage. That's my, how I house rule it. Yeah, same. Well, just just wanted to bring that up. I uh, figured it was worth you guys knowing. But that said, uh, let's jump into some deck plans here. So basically, this format is shaping up to be one of the most long game and grindy of any limited format ever, just by nature of how commander tends to work. Um, and this set is bringing enough of the elements of Commander to the table that uh, it's it's making the limited gameplay go go quite long. Um, and Saffron Olive from uh, MTG Goldfish even recommended house ruling starting at 30 life instead of 40 if you're playing in paper or on spell table or something like that, uh, just because the games can apparently last several hours, which is not unheard of for a normal Commander game. I'm kind of surprised that this is still the case in a limited environment, but also it's not that surprising. Just uh, having played enough commander myself, I can see how that would happen. Um, and while there are plenty of awesome commanders with build-around plans, there's still some aspects of this set that we might recognize from a usual limited environment. Two color pairs, uh, they which have you know their own dedicated sort of archetypes or plans. Um, and while we do advise going completely over the top and building like super nuts deck building uh, strategies and such, there are some potential deck plans that Wizards themselves tells us about just in like a box handout. Like if you buy a, a booster box, you're going to get like this handout about the two color pairs and what they're looking to do, which we'll get into in just a bit. Um, but yeah, go nuts. Like this format is designed to let you do whatever you want, basically. So give it a shot. Yeah, just because you open like a blue white flyer rare and you're like, uh, OK, I see some blue white flyer stuff. Uh, I guess I'll build blue white flyers. Pause a second. And look for the, the hidden synergies. Uh, look to see what else you can make happen. Um, we like to say that in Commander, it's kind of like you have this massive toolbox, right? Uh, and in Limited, you have a very, very narrow, small toolbox uh, from which to draw from. In this set, you kind of have somewhere in the middle, right? You have a decently sized toolbox with which you can do some some pretty cool stuff. And I think that's so another reason. That's that, that's another reason that people are going to, I think, enjoy the sealed environment for this this format because. Yeah every pack has two legends in it so when you have a sealed pool and you know what cards are around you you can really pick whichever legends you want to use and uh, just build the deck that you want yeah so let's get into some of the mechanics for this uh there are four i guess like keyword-esque mechanics that we wanted to go over some of them we've seen before uh, a few of them are, are newer let's talk about partner first so uh partner is a thing that can go on a legendary creature uh it's or just a line of text on there oh yeah or, or planeswalker thanks Tivesh sat um, this line of text says you can have two commanders if both have partner. So in the past, we've seen some examples where it's partners with a certain creature. In this case, it's just partner. And that means that you can have a, a creature with partner and then another creature with partner. 
Now, they don't have to be the same color. They can be any color. Uh, sometimes, if you happen to open one of those uh, random older ones, they can be a two-color partner. So then it's possible to have a three, or maybe you could open two of those and have a four-color thing going on. I think uh, Timna, the, the Weaver, and Thrasios Triton Hero are in here. So you could have they a competitive are. commander deck uh, going from this, which would be pretty sick. Now, I just wanted to run over a quick uh, card that has this. Uh, Elegeth Crossroads Augur is a four blue blue, five six flying legendary sphinx. If you would scry a number of cards, draw that many cards instead. And it has partner. The Sphinx decks is Yikes. coming. I've been wanting to build a Sphinx tribal deck for ages, like literal years. And uh, it hasn't quite had enough support for me to really pull the trigger on it, but it's getting there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a few options. You could do mono blue, you could do Esper. Um, this, I mean, I think Esper's this, where this I would is... go, but I need an Esper legend that I like. Mm -hmm. This is a, a very powerful card. I mean, scrying has often been used pretty, uh, I guess, liberally uh, on cards. For, like, the, it's not unreasonable to see like a two-drop creature that has tap to scry one. Well, turning that into tap to draw a card, <laughs> uh, that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Oh, um, also, super relevant amount of information here for Commander, which we didn't mention either, is that... Um, you may be asking yourself, what's so important about your commander apart from the deck building restrictions? Well, the, the commander lives in the command zone and you can cast it from the command zone anytime you would normally be able to cast a creature uh, as long as you can obviously pay for it. The, the real trick is that anytime your commander dies or otherwise would leave the battlefield, you can choose to put it back in the command zone and then you can cast it again from the command zone for two more than its converted mana cost for the amount of times you've cast it already. So if you've cast it once, you cast it for its normal CMC. And then if it dies, you put it back in your command zone. You can cast it again for two plus its normal CMC. And then if it dies again, you can cast it for four plus your normal CMC. So you can always have access to your commander as long as you have the mana to pay for it and the uh, commander tax as, as it is often referred to. Mm -hmm. So the first time uh, you cast Elegant, like I said, on the card is printed four blue blue. So the first time you have to pay six for it total. Second time you cast it from the command zone, you have to pay eight. Third time, 10. And then it scales up from there, right? Um, now, a cool thing about partner is that, well, now you have access to this extra card in, in uh, almost like your starting hand. So when you have two commanders, well, maybe if your one gets a little too expensive, maybe your other one isn't as expensive, so you can factor those into your curve. Uh, another thing, if you think about it, when you have Elegant in your deck, you don't want to jam your deck full of six drops because this kind of is your six drop, right? Because you know it's going to be uh, always, you're always going to have access to it from the start of the game. Uh, you can kind of factor this into how your deck plan is going to play out. For example, if you have a two-drop commander, you know you're pretty much always going to be casting it on turn two, so you can de-emphasize your two-drop slot in your deck building. Yeah, so the next arc, uh, the next mechanic, geez, I couldn't think of that word. The next <laughs> mechanic we want to talk about here is Encore. So Encore is a new one that is exclusive to this set so far, and uh, it's one of the, I think the only actual mechanic that's new to this set. Uh, the rest have been kind of cherry-picked from other sets, but... Um, yeah, so Encore essentially says it's one of those keywords that has a mana cost attached to it. Um, and then it says, exile this card from your graveyard. For each opponent, create a token copy that attaches, sorry, that attacks that opponent this turn if able. They gain haste and then sacrifice them at the beginning of the next end step. Activate this only as a sorcery. Um, so the card that we wanted to kind of showcase with this is Rakshasa De Debaser. This is four black black for a 6-6 six, six cat demon at rare. And whenever Rakshasa Debaser attacks, put target creature card from defending player's graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. So, what this basically is saying is, well, you pay 6 mana, you get a 6-6. Six, six. And anytime it attacks, you get to steal a creature from your opponent's, the, the opponent you're attacking, the defender, defending player, steal a creature from their graveyard, and you just get to keep it. 
Like it's just on your battlefield and That's it's yours. So good. That's sick. Well, if that wasn't good enough, when this dies, when the Rakshasa Debaser dies, you can pay eight mana, six black, six black black for its encore cost, and then you get a, a copy of it for every opponent you have with haste. So you could get, you basically get uh, the 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 highest upside is you get three more copies of this with haste, and you just get to steal a card from each of your opponent's graveyards. This is wild. This is so good. Like this is this is a bomb. It's got to oh, be yeah. right. Yeah, definitely. Some of the, I mean, I, honestly, I, I feel like Encore was a little underwhelming on a lot of the cards they printed it on. This is not one of those. This is a very powerful effect that is repeatable. Uh, very, very cool. Not to mention, if you have sacrifice outlets, you can sacrifice those three before they get sacrificed at the end of turn automatically. You could fling it at an opponent. You could end the turn, potentially, if you have a commander that happens to do that, which there is one of, Brute Chronologist. Um, th- also, there's a lot of things you can do with this. Yeah, and it's worth mentioning, this is a 6-6, and it brings three of them back at at best. Like, you're attacking for 18 points of damage in one turn. Like, I mean, if you want to get the most value out of it, uh, you have to, um, like, attack the same creature, or the same opponent, right? It attacks, each of them have to attack different opponents, uh, Mm -hmm. based on the way the Encore text is worded. But um, still, they're 6-6s, they kind of demand blockers to some extent. Yeah, this will often be one of the biggest things in the battlefield, and... Paying eight for this effect seems great. Plus, yeah. uh, just looking at the mana costs of the cards in this set, it seems like Wizards was like, yep, it is. these games are going to take a while and you're going to do like one big thing a turn and it's going to be great when you do it. Speaking of big things, what's our next me- me- uh, mechanic here? <laughs> Ooh, my favorite card from the set, Dawn Glade Regent. This is five green green for an eight eight elk. Ugh. When Dawn Glade Regent enters the battlefield, you become the monarch. Oh, when I saw this card spoiled like amazing they 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 all right well i should finish reading it as long as you have the monarch as long as you're the monarch permanence you control have hex proof this is this is absurd uh, i can't believe that they i can't believe they would give elk edh a, a tool this strong uh, i i expect to see gigantha banned pretty soon I'm, I'm, I'm clearly going to break casual commander with such a powerhouse now anyway what is monarch so monarch uh is a thing that you can become it's uh, kind of in a separate zone. It's a, a, a an emblem-esque effect, uh, not unlike uh, uh, other outside the uh, battlefield effects like energy, for example. Uh, the Monarch, it actually had a physical card printing in its old version, uh, which came from Conspiracy, uh, and it has a new card printing now. Although the old one will always be my favorite because of the notorious typo on it. Uh, let me read the original card of the Monarch. At the beginning, your end step. Draw a card. You know, it's hilarious because I think a lot. I saw a, I saw a Twitter thread on this, and a lot of players didn't know that there was a a typo on this card. And it took me literal minutes. Like I had to. I read this for like <laughs> ten minutes before I could find the typo. It's subtle. Yeah, your brain. The English language is a weird and wild place. But yeah, this one it, it's 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 tough. Uh, but it also says whenever a creature deals combat damage to you, its controller becomes the monarch. So how this plays out. You cast Dongled Region, it enters the battlefield, you become the monarch, your stuff all gets hexproof, right? And then at the end step, you draw a card from the monarch, uh, the monarchy, you could say. So you, you, you're king for the day. Um, now, let's say you pass your opponent and they're like, whoa, they're going to just be drawing a card every turn? I kind of want that too. They happen to have a, a 2-1 flyer. They attack you with it. When you, they deal combat damage to you, they steal the monarchy. Uh, they steal the crown. And then they have the monarch. And then at the beginning of their end step, they draw a card. 
And then the next person goes, well, wait a minute. I have this creature that has unblockable. I want those cards. And then it goes on from there and there. It's a very, very fun multiplayer mechanic. Uh, and it often allows for uh, decks that might not have the right kind of card draw to, to catch up, especially ones that can house up like uh, white decks that can provide some strong defenses. Yeah, so our next uh, mechanic here and the last of the four is Cascade. And this is one that uh, they've printed dedicated commanders for in the past. Uh, one of the big commander decks that they printed a few years ago was um, like a teamer. Actually, I think it might have been one of the four color decks. But anyway, Cascade is really popular. Basically, it's a, a keyword effect that says when you cast this spell, exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a non-land card that costs less. You may cast it without paying its mana cost and then put the, the exiled cards on the bottom of your library in a random order. So essentially, when you cast a card with Cascade, you're getting another permanent for free. Um, and actually, it could be any... It doesn't have to be permanent. It could be a, an instant or a sorcery as well. Mm -hmm. um, now, where it gets really fun is if that card also has Cascade, and then you get to do it again, and then again. It's possible to have this waterfall effect. And I think... I, I'm pretty positive I can't quite remember if it's this set or not, but there is a card... Pretty sure it's this set that has the text on it Cascade, Cascade, Cascade. So you can cascade oh, one more. Exactly. Oh, it's four, four. <laughs> My bad. Yeah. You, you cascade yeah. four times. And then if any of those cards have cascade, you cascade more. So you just continue to cascade forever. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's Apex Devastator. It's eight green green for a 10, 10. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's it. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah the, the, the card we wanted to sort of spoil off for you here is Aurora Phoenix. This is four red red for a five, three Phoenix at rare with flying. It has Cascade, of course, and it also says whenever you cast a spell with Cascade, return Aura Phoenix from your graveyard to your hand. So there are a number of cards in this set that have whenever you cast a, cow with, a, a spell with Cascade, do X, um, and you'll want to look for look out for those if you're really trying to put the Cascade deck together. Yeah, this one's sweet. Obviously, getting a Phoenix back is good. It's a huge flying body, but the fact that you get to Cascade again, that's why uh, you'll see a lot of cards that have Cascade. They seem like they're a little bit overpriced. Well, you're paying for the card that you could potentially flip into, especially if this one, for example, you flip into a five drop. I mean, you paid six mana and then you're getting 11 mana worth of stuff. Of course, uh, there's also the chance that you flip into a, a one one. That's yeah, and you want to you want to build your deck with that in mind, right? If you have if you're picking up some big cascade payoffs, you want to make sure that you're leveraging. You, that might skew your curve per se. Like you you might want to leverage the cascade a little heavier than uh, with your curve than than other decks would. Mm -hmm. So let's get into some of the specific archetypes. Now, we're not going to do the full format breakdown that we tend to do. We're not going to talk about all the, the random uncommons and commons per, per color pair because this is a big set. There's a lot of stuff happening and there's even partners for each color pair. Uh, we don't think that's very productive. We'd rather just let you, the player, figure out a lot of this stuff on your own. Just have fun. The best part about Commander is not someone telling you how to build your Commander deck. It's ex about exploring on your own and coming up with something that's totally you. Uh, that being said, we wanted to go through some of the plans that uh, each color pair tends to have based on what are still the signpost uncommons included in the set. So up first, we've got blue-red pirates. Uh, we have, like we said, for each color pair, an uncommon legendary creature. We're going to tell you what it is and how it you know, points you in a direction. So for blue-red pirates, we've got Captain Vargas Wrath. Costs blue-red for a 1-1 orc pirate. And whenever Captain Vargas Wrath attacks... Pirates you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn for each time you've cast a commander from the command zone this game. Huh. Yeah, so very clearly a commander card um, and obviously will work in this limited format as well. Uh, he's going to buff your pirates pretty pretty simple. He just wants you to have a lot of pirates. Yep. So if you cast him once, for example, you attack, uh, 
and then all the pirates get plus one plus one if he dies in combat you recast him for blue red and then two additional and then when he attacks all pirates get plus two plus two yeah this is kind of just pirate tribal right uh, there'll be other ways to build blue red for example there are artifact synergies in, in this set too and some spell slinging but pirates is one place that you can be just so happens that pirates also like spell slinging and artifacts yeah next up we have blue white flyers this is uh, the the uncommon here is is a cool card that I think a lot of people have wanted to get an, a legend that people have wanted to get another copy of for quite some time. This is Kangi Skywarden. It's three white blue for a three three bird wizard with flying and vigilance. And whenever Kangi Skywarden attacks, attacking creatures with flying get plus two plus zero oh until end of turn. Whenever it blocks, blocking creatures with flying get plus zero oh, plus two until end of turn. Wow. Yeah. I mean, like have some flyers. That that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This one's not very subtle, is it? No, just just like uh, Captain Wrath up there, uh, Kangi just wants you to have a bunch of flyers. Doesn't care about the creature type or anything like that. They just need to have flying, um, so you can augment your creatures with that don't have flying with things like Angelic Gift and stuff of that nature to to get them up. Uh, and obviously, you're it, it's this is an interesting card design, and I like this a lot because it doesn't just reward attackers. It doesn't make your flying decks aggressive because it helps block as well. Uh, so you still want to make profitable attacks, but you're going to block pretty well with it as well. Yeah, I think Vigilance brings this from mediocre to pretty solid. Yeah, absolutely. Next up, continuing on our train of very subtle commanders, we have uh, Abomination of Llanowar. This is one black green for a star star. It has an elf horror, and it has Vigilance and Menace. So Abomination of Llanowar's power and toughness are equal to the number of elves you control, plus the number of elf cards in your graveyard. Yeah, I mean, sounds like what black green likes to do. Yep. Elves, graveyards, terrifying art featuring a, an amalgamation of elves rolled into some kind of ball. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what was yeah, going so on weird. there, but uh, um, yeah, it's good sick. Yeah, also one really, really tiny little tidbit uh, that I noticed. There's a semicolon between Vigilance and Menace on this card. You usually just use commas between keywords, so I'm not sure what's up with that. But anyway, our That's next... true. Wait a minute. Hold on. Scroll back up to Kangi. Yeah, no, Kangi just has a comma. Man, I don't know what's going on with this abomination, but if you're playing black green, uh, you're gonna want to look for elves and you're gonna want for graveyard stuff. Easy as that. Yep. Actually, and this thing is like literally an elf ball. <laughs> that's wild. Uh, that's pretty true. Yeah. Uh, our next uh, archetype here is blue black self mill slash encore. It kind of has themes for both. Uh, our signpost here is Araumi of the Dead Tide. This is one white, uh, one blue black for a Merfolk wizard. It's a one four. And it has tap exile cards from your graveyard equal to the number of opponents you have. So that's that's part of the cost. You tap it and you exile those cards. And it says target creature card in your graveyard gains encore until end of turn. The encore cost is its mana cost. So it's nice. It gives all your stuff encore um, and kind of gets better the fewer opponents you have because you have to exile fewer cards. Mm. Um, so, you know, encore your stuff, get them dead. Straightforward again. Next up, we've got red-green power matters. You know, the usual red-green thing, big beaters, right? This is Tuya Bearclaw. This is one red-green for a 2-2 human warrior. Whenever Tuya Bearclaw attacks, it gets plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the greatest power among other creatures you control. So interestingly enough, she doesn't count herself here. Uh, you got to have something else for, uh, for her to get that buff. But if you curve her into, say, a 4 mana 4-4, this could attack as a 6-6. Six -six. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, it is interesting that it doesn't do anything. Like, if you don't have any other creatures out, she's a three mana two two, which, like, she's a bear, which I guess makes sense. <laughs> she is riding a bear. I guess uh, she draws her power from other people. I don't know. Well, next up we have blue green cascade slash CMC six plus matters. Um, 
kind of a weird little sub theme going on here, but uh, our signpost is Emoti Celebrant of Bounty. This is three blue green for a three one Naga Druid. It has Cascade, and it says spells you cast with Converted Man cost six or greater have Cascade. That is so good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just give all your stuff Cascade. Doesn't matter. Oh man. Yeah. No, mean, uh, these, they're, I- they're expensive, but uh. This might be one of the worst vanilla tests I've ever seen. Five mana, three one, yeah, and then no other like affecting things. But yeah, the fact that it has cascade means you're already getting some value just from the cast, right? Mm-hmm. And then if you get to cast anything else, blue green, <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, it's doing blue green things, whatever. Yeah, it's not unlikely. I think that you'll ramp up to six mana and then have a lot of like have a higher end curve with this deck as well. Like this archetype's probably going to be leaning itself that way anyway. So your cascades are going to hit pretty expensive stuff i would imagine most of the time and uh your stuff's gonna be pretty expensive to begin with so it's they're all gonna get cascade anyway uh seems pretty cool next up we've got white black tokens uh, we have Thalys reverent medium she's a three white black three four for a human cleric at the beginning of the each at the beginning of each end step create x one one white spirit creature tokens with flying where x is the number of tokens you created this turn so something very notable about the lease here is that she has the ever important text on her each end step. Now in Commander, effects that happen at just your end step, they kind of go down in value because your end step happens uh, significantly le- less frequently than it does in the usual games of Magic. However, each end step happens relatively frequently when each player ends their term. So for example, if you sacrifice a creature like a Doom Traveler, for example, that's on the set, that's a, a one mana one one that when it dies, you get a one one flying spirit. If you sacrifice a Doom Traveler on your opponent's turn, well, uh, the least will see that because it'll see that one spirit came in, then she'll give you another one, right? So this is a nice way to get paid off for making tokens. Uh, my question is how many other ways are there to make tokens in the set? And how many of those did you open that you can put in your deck? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems interesting, and like you said, the each end step thing is pretty big. But yeah, you're definitely going to want ways you can do this at instant speed too, because that the you know the speed rules still matter. So um, mm. keep an eye out for those. Next up is red black sacrifice, and our signpost here is jury master of the review. I think that's how you pronounce that. Yeah, um, it's black red for a one one. So also failing the vanilla test. Uh, it's a human shaman, and whenever you sacrifice a permanent, put a plus one plus one counter on it. Okay, all right, we're getting there. Also, when Jury dies, it deals damage equal to its power to any target. So this is just a crazy uh, uh, I, I Dreadhorde. No, I can't remember the name of the card, but the white, the, the black red card from uh, Amonkhet. That, oh, yeah. Was that Dreadhorde Butcher or something? Or, yeah, the Butcher. Uh, Dreadhorde Butcher. It's from War of the Spark, yeah. Yeah, or uh, the uh, Akum Warrior, the little goblin that was doing that thing, or, or um, Footlight Fiend. Uh, we, we've seen cards like this before. Uh, dying, hitting stuff. So obviously jury here likes when things are sacrificed and then also likes to be sacrificed so uh again the fact that you can sacrifice jury knowing that you can definitely get jury back from the command zone later yeah that's a, a useful tool to have as a commander yeah and it's cheap enough that you can do this over and over again mm-hmm. next up we've got white green plus one plus one counters so we've got hamza guardian of arashin this is four green white for a five five elephant warrior this thing is thick uh, and this spell costs one less to cast for each creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it. Cool. And then creature spells you cast cost one less to cast for each creature you control with a one with a plus one plus one counter on it. Wow. So he he gets cheaper for having stuff with counters on it, and then he makes your other stuff cheaper for having stuff with counters on it. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Also worth noting that 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 uh, subtraction and cost 
also counts towards the, the command tax. Mm. So yeah, you can true. still like perpetually cast this card for two mana the entire game if you if you are able to keep enough counters on your creatures. Yeah, that's sweet. Uh, it's kind of a play on Convoke, right? Mm-hmm. Except it doesn't involve tapping. It still cares about you having creatures developing out of board like Green White usually does. But I, I actually like this a lot. I've never liked having to tap down my stuff in a Green White deck that often wants to be attacking and blocking. So this is a cool way around it. Yeah, cool design. Really like it. And next up we have, this is our last of the 10 two-color pairs, White-Red Equipment Auras. Uh, ben, hold your breath. Don't don't uh, freak out too much. But yes... <gasps> White red, <laughs> white red equipment is here, um, and our signpost here is Rayav Master Smith. This is red white for a dwarf artificer. It's a two two, and it says whenever a creature you control that's enchanted or equipped attacks, that creature gains double strike until end of turn. Well, it's good that most equipment and artifact and uh, 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 auras don't buff your creatures at all, right? Because you know double strike is really good when you're buffing your creatures. This could be quite the clock. Yeah, now we mentioned that aggressive strategies are not often where you want to be in Commander, so I'm a little hesitant to go all in on a red-white 2-2. That being said, maybe if you've got the support for it, give it a shot and let us know how it works. But uh, be careful. If you land this thing on turn two, your opponents are going to look at it and go, you're going to try to do what now? <laughs> not yeah. not while I have a 10 drop in hand. No, we're not, we're not going to let that one happen. Yeah, this is going to be interesting to see how it plays out because, you know, one of the ways to get around... Aggro decks not being super super great in a in a format with three extra player or two extra players and you know double the life totals is giving everything double strike making everything hit twice as hard can be a good way to close out games even with higher life totals and more more opponents so I I'm curious what the actual like pinnacle deck for this archetype looks like is it mm-hmm. Rayav as your commander and then a bunch of really cheap like one drops that can be equipped really easily uh, is it you know something something different than that i i don't really know but i'm interested to see it and i'm curious to see how this command like this works in commander outside the limited format um with with the newer artifacts that equip themselves which you know could be pretty relevant um Mm -hmm. i I don't know we'll see yeah notably a lot of the signposts on commons that we saw here they all play on a resource right uh the blue green one plays on card advantage and, and mana advantage uh the uh, the green-white one plays on creature size. Uh, the green-red one does the same. Uh, Black-green one cares about accruing graveyard value. And blue-white cares about building out a board. Uh, same with black-white. Red-white and black-red, the, the resource that they are affecting the most is opponent life total, right? Uh, they're not asking you to build out. I mean, there's, they're kind of saying to go tall on a creature or to equip stuff or sacrifice things. But... Typically, these resources aren't ones that are the best to be building around in Commander. Uh, Card advantage and mana advantage are huge. Something like uh, damage advantage and pressuring on a life total is not nearly as good a strategy in Commander. So like I said, I'm a little hesitant about black, red, and red, white. I do not think I'd want to start with those. Uh, In fact, if I'm hoping to do anything, uh, it's to have some kind of slow black or green or blue deck that just gets massive value cascade cascade uh, cascade of, cascade <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah that'd be sick uh but these ones i'm, I'm hesitant to, to to think especially if you've, they've got 40 life to work through i mean sacrificing a creature to deal five to an opponent is good in lim- in uh in like limited when you have one opponent but when you have three and they start with 40 life each uh yeah. i don't know we'll see yeah so uh that wraps up our main um archetypes here 
there are some other shenanigans going on with like various rares that you can open and, and things like that. And like there are a number of group hugs cards. You None of these uh, legends that we talked about really fit super well with like the group hugs theme as itself. But uh, the cards are there. You can kind of build one of those in this format. So there are other things you can be doing, but these are kind of the typical uh, archetypes for for the, the decks that you can expect to see most of. Um, any closing thoughts, Ben? What do you what do you think about the set? What are you excited for with this one? I think it's going to be fun. Uh, I'm excited to just keep cracking some packs uh, to make this this uh, video, and I'm really excited for the Sealed League. Again, if anyone else listening is interested in jamming some some games, if you got six packs lying around and you want to go to your LGS and pick a few up, uh, we have a really friendly Discord. Everyone's always supportive, and, and I'm sure we're going to have a lot of fun building decks together. So feel free to hop in. We can fire some more pods and uh, have a good time. Yeah, at this point, we have exactly enough people for two pods. Um, so if we can get a third running, that'll be pretty sweet and would help out a lot with the uh, potential uh scheduling you know conflicts that we may and in- inevitably run into but uh yeah get in there if you're interested in, in playing this format and you want a super it's super casual league by the way we're not really no prize support or anything like that we may give away some stickers to whoever uh <laughs> seems to have like the coolest deck or something i don't know we we haven't really yeah. talked about it too much but just like super casual way to get everybody into the new set and kind of get us interacting with the community a little bit more uh, we will be playing on spell table, so make sure you have a way to to use that properly. Uh, if you are interested in joining and haven't already told us you want to sign up, we do have a, a channel for the Commander Sealed League one in our Discord as well. But that about does it for us. Of course, um, check out the Discord, like we've been saying, if you're interested in that sort of thing. And if you feel so inclined to give back to the show directly, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod. But until next week, jam some drafts. See you later, everybody. So, uh, three guesses. What did we forget in today's episode? Oh, I already know. I, I saw it when you started uh, going through. Uh, let's see. What section was that? The overview. I, I noticed that right when I got to the overview, uh, we missed the listener question. So, do you want to jam that mm-hmm. in real quick here? Yeah, we're going to have our, our listener question sound off. And I think it's an appropriate one because it's a fun one. So, uh, Dorigan this week asks, what's the best holiday to play Magic and why? Okay, I have a really solid, I think it's a really solid answer to this one. Um, yeah. Do you want to, do you want to head us off though? No, no, go, go ahead. I want to hear it first. Okay. It has to be, it has to be around Christmas time for me. I'm not saying Christmas specifically, but it has to be around Christmas time because of the holiday cube. Uh, it's yeah. so fun. That's true. Now this is a, this is a pretty broad question too, because holiday can mean anything like for, it can mean just like a certain break period or it can mean like mm. the literal holiday itself. Like around, because uh, my family celebrates Christmas too. So like we we get pretty busy around Christmas time, like visiting relatives and that yeah. kind of thing. Although I guess this year may be the exception. So maybe I will have a bit more time to, to jam some drafts. You know what I've always wanted to do? I, I'm actually also going to go with uh, like the winter break because you're inside. It's not like Memorial Day weekend where you want to go outside of the beach or something. Um, for me personally, I would say that because it's the middle of winter. Mm-hmm. I can make some you know hot cider or hot chocolate oh, or yeah, something. Oh yeah, sounds so good. And, jam some arena or uh, i guess this year i'll be jamming some spell table that kind of thing yeah and i've always wanted to build a christmas themed deck you know how you know how they, they send out all those like random uh and this this would be a joke deck of course like oh, this yeah. that would not be real deck. you know how like, they send like out LDH, the um... yeah <laughs> yeah all right I, i'm apparently i have a trend of making joke decks that are overpowered but that's know, kind like... of your brand like <laughs> if you had any kind of brand that would be it uh, memeing and then winning by accident. Yes, yeah, so memeing, whole- but somehow it works like better than yeah. the non-meme stuff. 
It was that time I top forward an SCG IQ with uh oh with Obzon Siege Rhino <laughs> in modern. Yeah, that was that was about the same uh, the same energy, right? No, they they send out those um like the judge promos, the holiday judge promos. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a really good one this year. I want to I want to find it real quick. Well, while I look this up, um, what are some of your other favorite holidays? Well, I was thinking, I mean, if, if people in my family actually played Magic, like I'm the only Magic player in my family, although I'm hoping to convert my wife. Um, if people in my family actually played Magic, I would say Thanksgiving just because everybody's around and it wouldn't be too hard to get some games together. And in fact, mm-hmm. if people played Commander, we'd have plenty of people to play. Um, given that nobody in my family does play Magic, probably not Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, but honestly... Uh, to me, because I tend to play alone or like um, on my own apart from like commander and such, it's basically any time that people are together and c- like can actually get some games together or we have free time to do so. So I think all the holidays are pretty solid. If I had to pick one, like I said, it would be it would be around Christmas time because of the holiday cube. I think that's like a unique way to experience magic and uh, is pretty fun and very shenanigany. So uh, mm-hmm. that that would have to be my pick. So I did find the card I was looking for. There's a series of these. I recommend looking them up because they're all pretty funny. Uh, this one from this past year is Top Deck the Halls. Uh, it is three red-white for an enchantment. Decorated cards in your hand have Miracle for a Snow cost. So for those that haven't played uh, back in, in the Snow era, uh, Snow is a special type of, of mana. Uh, snow lands tap for Snow mana. Some artifacts can tap for, for Snow mana that's colorless or of colors. Um, and decorated cards include premiums promos cards with alternate frames or art according to the rules text of top deck the hall so decorated cards in your hand have miracle for a snow mana and at the beginning of your upkeep if you control 12 or more decorated permanents you win the game oh that's awesome <laughs> it's kind of the, the first clause of that has me scratching my head a little bit because miracle is an, uh, for those again if if you as a listener haven't been around too long in the magic scene miracle is a keyword that has been around for a while that says when you draw this card as the first card that you've drawn for the turn you can cast it for its miracle cost but if cards in your hand are gaining a miracle effect like that doesn't do anything i guess it's like technically in your hand once it's left the top of your yeah, deck. That's i don't true. know like that's it, true it, it, it makes it makes sense uh, it I does work but it out. sounds like it sounds like i feel like it should have just been worded like the first card you draw every turn has miracle or something because has the effect doesn't do anything for oh, any card besides also, that. The art is also really good. I know it's a throwback to an older card. I feel like it was something similar. Um, I don't know. I'll try to find it. There's, there's other like older ones. I'm pretty sure last year was was a Fruitcake Elemental. Yeah, yeah. Like there's, there's fun ones. Yeah.